Welcome to Living Orthodoxy, an invitation to a deeper life in Christ, a podcast of St. Philip Orthodox Church in Souderton, Pennsylvania, dedicated to connecting the liturgical and spiritual life of the Orthodox parish with the life of the Orthodox home, presenting the weekly homilies of our parish pastors, Father Noah Buscelli and Father James Thayer, as well as discussions of the liturgical year and Orthodox life and practice by Justin Gold and Jeff Hyatt. of the church, our attention is brought to two very important matters. One is the Holy Fathers of the First Ecumenical Council, and the second is the gospel reading that we just heard from the gospel according to John chapter 17. This gospel reading has come to be known as Jesus' high priestly prayer for his disciples. Actually, we heard the first 13 verses of the chapter, but it's the full 17th chapter is his prayer, and it is sandwiched right between Jesus' own prediction of his death, his resurrection, and his ascension in chapter 16, and the sending of the Holy Spirit, and in chapter 18, his betrayal and his arrest. And between these two events, is a very important prayer in which Jesus prays for you. That's right. He prays for us. A little later in chapter 17, he prays, I do not pray for these alone, the apostles who were there with him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you. So what does it mean to know God. This was his prayer. He prayed that we might have eternal life and that that eternal life is knowing the Father and the Son. What does it mean to know God? Well, in the scriptures, knowing something carries with it an experiential dimension. Not simply I have information in my head that I read in a book or I I heard on a podcast, but instead I ultimately know something through my experience of it. Perhaps a a most obvious example of this is found in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, that Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. Experiential knowing. So Jesus prayed for all of those who would believe through the teaching of the apostles that we might know the Father The Holy Spirit, in chapter 16, that he's already promised to send with us, to be with us, and himself. And this knowing would manifest itself as union or oneness with God by grace and with each other as we are in Christ. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. This is Jesus' prayer for you, for us, Right before he is betrayed, 
and led away to his trial and his crucifixion, which is his glory. The fullest manifestation of who God is is seen in Christ, in love, laying down his life on the cross. So two points I want to offer to you this morning. First is that salvation is union. It is communion with God. This is what Jesus is praying for in the gospel reading this morning, that we might have eternal life by knowing God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and living in communion with them by grace in the way that they live eternally with one another. That's mind-blowing. The Father in the Son, the Son in the Father, you and I in Christ, in the Father, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Salvation is union. It's communion with God. And this is where sin comes into play. Sin breaks our union with God. Our passions drive us out of communion with the Holy Trinity. The brokenness of our lives, our pride, our lust, our gluttony and greed move us away from a loving union and towards enmity with God. Not simply because we broke a rule, but because sin itself is missing the mark of living in communion with God. St. Theophon, the recluse, writes, The chief end of our life is to live in communion with God. To this end, the Son of God became incarnate in order to return us to this divine communion which was lost by the fall into sin. Through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we enter into communion with the Father and thus attain our purpose. This is what we were created for, to be in communion with God. And this is eternal life. This is salvation. Living in union with the eternal God who enjoys an unending communion of self-giving love as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the first point, salvation is union, communion with God. Second, what we believe about God matters. What we believe about God matters because it will either lead us into communion with the Holy Trinity or it will lead us away from union with God. There is no middle ground. Jesus prayed for all those who would believe in him through the word of the apostles. So what is the teaching of the apostles? What is the word of the apostles? It is the faith that was handed down from Christ to the apostles, to their disciples, from one generation to the next, through the teachings of the bishops of the church. And it was safeguarded. It was clarified. It was confirmed through the ecumenical councils of which we are commemorating the fathers of the first ecumenical council today where the bishops of the church gathered to do the work of remaining faithful to Christ and the apostles' teaching through the Holy Spirit, and to identify when new teachings or new understandings strayed from this faith, and to reject them. 
And the reason that it is so important to remain faithful to the teaching of the apostles is because it is the faith handed down from Christ to the apostles which leads us back into communion with the real God the Father and the real Son, Jesus Christ, and the real Holy Spirit. I use the word real because in every age since the beginning of human history, men and women have been trading the real for the fake, the genuine for the counterfeit. We have been developing our own ideas about God based on our own interpretations of the Bible through the best academic research into the historical Jesus who ends up having Jesus be another good teacher who wants us just to all get along. Denominations, religious groups sprout up around the interpretations and teachings of new dynamic teachers or revelations. Megachurches rise and fall based on the best-selling superstar pastors at the time. And where does this lead us? It leads us farther away from union, from communion with the Holy Trinity, because knowingly or unknowingly, we are embracing a God of our own making. Even if we call him Jesus. I was speaking to a friend of mine just yesterday who was beginning to inquire into the Orthodox Church. He was trained in a Protestant seminary, served as a Lutheran pastor for a while, and he was asking my ad advice about the journey into the Orthodox Church. And I told him that one of the biggest transitions that he will have to make is being willing to submit himself to Christ in the church. That his existing ideas or what makes sense to him can no longer be the standard of what is true. That he will need to lay down his learning and fully formed ideas in order to pick up the faith handed down from the apostles. Not in a mindless way, but in a purposeful, humble submission to Christ in his body, the church. Because it's only the Orthodox Church which continues to fully hold to the faith handed down from the apostles without adding or taking away from it what no longer seems relevant or expedient. The 318 Holy Fathers who gathered in the First Ecumenical Council in Nicaea came together because there was a dispute over who Jesus is. Is he the God-man co-equal with the Father, or is he created by God the Father, and therefore somehow less than fully God? And does this matter to anyone other than a theologian? Yes. Because if God did not become man, then we cannot move back into union with God. If Jesus was not co-equal with the Father, fully divine, then he was just another man, incapable of, of, incapable of redeeming and sanctifying creation and lifting our very flesh into the heavenlies to sit at the right hand of the Father. There is no salvation, no union with God if Jesus is not fully God and fully man. The question that these holy fathers had to answer 
was, is this the faith handed down to us from the apostles? Not, does this make sense to me? What did the apostles teach us about Jesus Christ? Because that is the faith that guides us into union, into communion with God, that guides us to eternal life, to salvation. Father John Romanides, a blessed memory, said, there is no salvation outside of the church. Christ offers saving grace to everyone. When someone is saved outside the visible church, this means that Christ himself saves him. If he is a non-Orthodox member, he is saved because Christ saves him. The offshoot to which he belongs does not save him. His salvation is not accomplished by the church offshoot to which he belongs because the church that saves is one. That is Christ. So what we believe about God matters because it will either lead us into saving union with the Holy Trinity or it will lead us away from God. To close, another quote from St. Theophon. One may know man's final goal, communion with God. And one may describe the path to it, faith, walking in the commandments with the aid of divine grace. One need only say in addition, here is the path, start walking. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.